the all-electric Kia EV9, Kia's largest electric seven-seat SUV. Kia, major partner of the Australian Open. Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Don't change me Yes, a very good afternoon, everyone. Great to see uh, Hayes and Mardo back in the SEN studios. I tell you what, Hayes has seen a bit of the sun there at Horrocks Beach. He looks very tanned indeed. Mardo is very happy. He's up and about because the Wildcats are doing so well in the NBL, currently sitting in second position with a real chance maybe to take off the NBL championship. So good to see the boys. Jimmy's back. Brian's back. And this is Peter Vlahos back for another year of Sports Day WA. As I said, great to have your company. And we're looking forward to having a terrific year. Uh, I've certainly been around. I've enjoyed the Big Bash, calling that with Bradley Hogg during the course of the summer season, even though the Perth Scorchers failed to maybe get uh, to the grand finale. It wasn't to be this time around, but it was good to see so many people, so many of you coming to Optus Stadium during the course of the uh, Big Bash 13 campaign and see some big attendances somewhere in the vicinity of 42,000 on a couple of occasions. What a weekend it's been. It's a great weekend uh, when you look at Sports Day to come back on the Monday on the back end of the Australian Open Women's and Men's Singles Final and as well as that, uh, what transpired at the Gabba yesterday. Everybody's been talking about that. We're going to touch on those two topics during the course of the program. You can join us anytime on the Temper at Bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736, or you can give us a call, 13 12 55. We will have some surprises for you during the course of the year, and we'll unveil some of those during the course of this coming week. So keep listening to Sports Day WA straight after the run home with Hayes and Mardo. As I mentioned, we're here for Toolmart, the Complete Tool Centre. They've been serving WA for over 45 years. I'll be speaking to South African-born, but he grew up here in Western Australia, Matt Ebden, who incredibly, with his partner in Rome Bapana, took off the Men's Doubles Championship at the Australian Open just the other night. Now, Matt Ebden is 36 years of age. Rome Bapana is 43, and they took out uh, the title in the men's doubles. So we look forward to having a chat to Matt Ebden a bit later on in the program. Also, it's been a big weekend when it comes to football. Daniel Garb is a huge, huge Liverpool supporter. And we heard the announcement of Jurgen Klopp deciding to step down from his position as manager coach of the world-famous Liverpool Football Club. We'll talk to Garby about that a little later on. We'll touch on the Socceroos are currently into the quarterfinals of the Asian Cup up there in Qatar, and we'll also focus on the A-League. So Daniel Garb will join us a bit later on. So stay with us. Come and join us on the Tempera Bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736. And I'm looking you all in the eye right now. How many of you listening to Sports Day WA and listening to the cricket on SEN yesterday or by any chance catching it on TV were actually supporting the West Indies to win yesterday. Is it un-Australian? Is it un-Australian? But how many of you, come on, come clean, were urging to see something special and see the West Indies knock over the number one ranked cricket nation on the planet? We've had our 
love-hate relationship at times with the Australian cricket team, haven't we? <laughs> and I'm just wondering if there's a lot of people that thought, no, nah, we'll go for the battler here. We'll go for the underdog. Let's hope that the West Indies get up. Uh, if you're one of those, text us on the temper of bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736. As I mentioned, plenty happened right across the weekend. Let's get into our top five at five. It's all thanks to Novus Auto Glass. There's a Novus Auto Glass near you. All you need to do is call 1322 34. Here's the big stories of the last 24, 48 hours. Number five. Goes back to cutting her fingers down the side of the ball and it's going to be back-to-back -back boundaries. That she does. Whips it away, does Chloe Tryon. And with that, it is a historic win for South Africa. Their first ever win over the world champions in the T20 format. Yes, a big uh, win. And Australian coach Shelley Nitschke says she and her all-conquering team we're well aware the gap has been closing and yesterday's historic T20 loss to South Africa was more proof every single match demands their absolute best. Uh, that starts with a chance, I suppose, for immediate revenge and what has become a series deciding final match. It happens in Hobart on Tuesday night with Nitsky declaring every element of the Aussie game needs to improve to ward off another defeat. Number four. Question right here. I'm coming after Mahomes. My season's on the line. Cover zero, man-to-man. -man. Put Hamilton on Kelsey, what she is right there, and see who wins. He's coming. He's coming. He gets the protection. He goes long and on his back to ice it is Marquez Valdez-Scantling for the second straight week. He catches a long ball. He had two of them against the Bills. 32 yards tonight. Unbelievably aggressive call. Only Mahomes and Andy Reid, and they didn't blitz up the middle, and they gave him enough time. Congratulations, Patrick. We're doing this again. Yep. All the talk all year about your receivers not coming up clutch throughout the season. Take us through that final pass there to MVS to seal the deal and send you to the Super Bowl. Yeah, they brought everybody. Um, they were going to challenge us, and the guy stepped up and made plays. I mean, God put us a lot of adversity in our way this year, and we accepted the challenge, and we're come better for it. I mean, it's uh, it's been a heck of a year. We're not done yet, but this is the, this is the way to get there. Speaking of challenges, you were told last week that you couldn't win on the road, and then you come in here, underdogs. We spoke. You gave me that look. I'm sure that added extra motivation. The satisfaction that you get from headed to your fourth Super Bowl in six years. Yeah, no, it's been a heck of a year. Um, we've been underdogs for the last few games, um, but we never feel like underdogs. Uh, we got a lot of guys on this team that know how to win. Um, when playoffs came around, I knew we were going to make it happen. And uh, now we're in the Super Bowl, and the job's not done. we got to go out there into Vegas and uh, play a great team and see if we can go out there and get the Super Bowl. Congratulations. Enjoy it. We'll see you out there. I appreciate you. Ah, oh, yes, Patrick Mahomes. They're the star quarterback there for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, they're in to Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. Uh, happens, I think, on February the 11th, uh, our time. Uh I was going for Detroit, actually. It would be nice to have seen them get to a Super Bowl. They haven't won a championship since back in 1957, Jimmy. 1957, well before you were born. I wasn't even born then. So the matchup for Super Bowl 58 set Kansas City Chiefs to take on the San Francisco 49ers in Las Vegas for American football's ultimate prize.
Number three. To me, I, I said it uh, before. I know it longer than anybody, obviously, and um, so I drive already a while into Enfield and know that it's not um, that it will not uh, last for the next 50 years. And um, no, not for me, but I can imagine for a few people. Um, but besides that, it's everybody ex has to expect from me and can expect from me that see that I'm fully in preparation for the game and not anything and don't think about me anymore. We had to say what we said, what we had to say, and that we did that. And, and now for me, it's I'm completely back on track. So Jürgen Klopp, uh, the very successful Liverpool manager who's added a lot of uh, silverware to the Liverpool Trophy cabinet since he took over from Brendan Rodgers in October of 2015. He's uh, deciding to step away from the job at the end of this Premier League season with Liverpool currently sitting top of the English Premier League. We'll talk more about that when we speak to Daniel Garb later in Sports Day WA. Number two. Sinner backhand cross court. Medvedev backhand cross court. Up the line by Sinner. Cross court forehand. Medvedev up the line by Sinner. And it finishes in style off his forehand. That has been the absolute devastating wing in this tournament. At full stretch, Yannick Sinner. It's the most appropriate shot to make him a Grand Slam champion. For sure, it takes a little a little while to process everything, but I'm extremely happy how how I handled also today's situation on court was was very very tough and but I think the most important part was 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 the support I had throughout these two weeks. Um, I felt that many many people were watching also uh, from home uh, in the TV, so I. I just tried my best. Uh, um, I was a little bit <laughs> in trouble today uh, with uh, two sets to lockdown, and, and I just tried to stay stay positive. Seems like a really intelligent and well respectful young man at 22 years of age, uh, and at 14 years of age, uh, his parents gave him permission to leave uh, his home in Italy so he could pursue a tennis career. It wasn't an easy decision for the close-knit family to make, with Sinner acknowledging it was tough for both him and his parents. And some eight years on now, he's taken out a major Grand Slam champion, winning the Australian Open in five sets. A terrific match against Daniel Medvedev, who just ran out of gas at the end. And Sinner, right to the last point, looked fresh as a daisy. Number one. He lets fly. Hazel's bold. Shamar Joseph has bowled the West Indies to the most romantic of victories. And one of the truly great upsets in Test cricket history. He's off on a lap of honour. <laughs> it's a win and events that will reverberate right through international cricket. And it might be the saviour of West Indies crickets. Shamar Joseph is a legend in his second test match. Legend in two test matches. That's uh, Jared Whaley there calling it on the SEN network. Uh, he got a bit excited, but fair enough. Uh, the West Indies, who have had very little going for them heading into this test series against Australia, with a raft of their players choosing to play in T20 competitions instead of playing for their national side. But with the West Indies selectings then having to pick so many deputants, it was really hard to imagine they'd be ready for the big stage. And as we know, the catalyst behind that win was that most exciting player in the cricketing world at the moment, right now being Shamar Joseph. It really was a special moment. Uh, we've got on the temper of bedshed text machine, Darren says, Pete, welcome back. Un-Australian is how Cricket Australia treat the public. 
and players expressing views contrary to the Australian government while wearing their national uniform. Oz Barrington with the Windies. Great to see them win again. Are you in the same court there as Darren regarding yesterday when you were listening or watching it? Uh, were you subtly going for maybe the West Indies and what was a, a huge upset in uh, Test cricket? Speaking of court that I was talking about, we're going to head to the tennis court and speak to a Grand Slam champion. He's won three now, two as men's doubles and one in mixed doubles. We're talking our very own Matt Ebden. He joins us next here on Sports Day WA for Toolmart, the complete tool centre. The all-electric Kia EV9, Kia's largest electric seven-seat SUV. Kia, major partner of the Australian Open. Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. slam here at home uh, I mean I had some emotion similar I won the mixed doubles here but obviously the men's doubles is a bigger event you know obviously it's not the singles but it's a, it's a big event so to win my home slam after winning Wimbledon I'm not gonna lie Wimbledon's a special place for us as tennis players we know that but uh, this is equally as good or better doing it at home with our f- you know family friends and you know home fans in Australia and uh, you know, we said it's the Grand Slam of the Asia-Pacific and uh, to do it with a fellow Asia-Pacific man, an Indian Indian guy with an Aussie guy, I think it's pretty awesome that we, that we got, got the title. Yeah, it was awesome. It was a great event and a great performance by our very own Matt Ebden, South African-born, of course, Perth-raised, we call him our own now, uh, two Grand Slam doubles titles and, of course, he won the Australian Open mixed doubles uh, title back in 2013. And it gives us great pleasure to welcome him to Sports Day WA, wherever you may be listening around Western Australia. Matt, congratulations and thanks for your time. Uh, thanks so much, guys. Thanks for having me on. Has it sunk in? Um, a little bit, yes, I, I would say. I think uh, some of these emotions going back to what happened probably at Wimbledon a couple of years ago are a bit more of a reality now for me. And, and obviously after you win one or two slams, then you sort of are confident that you can win more and you plan that you can win more and you almost expect to win more in a way. But at the same time, they're still incredibly hard to, to win and a lot, a lot of things have to go right. So yeah, there's still always those, those moments that sort of floor you in a way, but um or maybe it just hasn't sunk in yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was pretty close. Uh, you took on uh, Simone Bolelli and Andrea Vavasori, and you came away with a victory 7-6-7-5. So judging from the scoreline, it was tight throughout. I did watch it, and uh, it was never uh, set in stone until very much the final game, really. Yeah, absolutely. It was. Um, it really was, and I was impressed at the level of the whole match. I thought we played great, and the other guys also played really great. They came out serving huge, and uh, you know it was really a matter of one or two points here or there, and we were really able to keep our level super high and 
even raise our level when we needed just a few points here and there. So that was the key. So I'm glad we played our best tennis in the biggest match of our partnership so far. And then in the Aussie Open final, that's that's where you want to do it. I mean, Bellelli, we knew he, he's won Australian Open doubles before with Fognini a few years back. Um, so, you know, he, he's a quality player. Vavasor is coming up with him. And, you know, they, they, they beat a lot of top seeds on the way to the final. And uh, we're an incredibly dangerous pair. So, Super happy with that win, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a huge relief and a lot of hard work this last few weeks. But uh, yeah, it's nice to sort of take a sigh of relief and uh, now just sort of enjoy uh, having won the title and being able to just relax and have fun with friends and family and sort of come down from all the, the highs and the adrenaline. Mm. You're 36, a very young man in years, and of course, Rohan Bapana, the Indian gentleman, is 43 years of age and certainly had his cult following and his legion of fans at Rod Lave Arena on Saturday night. Can I ask you, how did you come together? Yeah, I mean, uh, it goes, well, you know, we've been playing together since uh, January last year. We teamed up, and uh, a few months before that, I was, um, you know, we, we were both looking for a partner for the new season at the end of the season before. I was obviously playing with fellow Aussie before that, you know, we won Wimbledon and then, uh, but, you know, he, he wanted to do more singles. So I, I needed a full-time doubles, you know, specialist partner to commit with and sort of in the top 20 or 30 rankings, which you both need to be to get in all the masters and be seated and all the big events. Um, you know, all the guys are kind of already paired up or already taken every year, only one or two pairs split up or change or one retires and then leaves one guy open, let's say. And, and uh, yeah, me and Bob's were kind of almost the only two looking for partners. And he, he sent me a message, and we sat down in Paris, and we we discussed, uh, you know, to maybe have a go. And I sort of said, yeah, I'm keen. But you know, obviously he was 42 going into it, and um, but it had had a great season coming in. It was top 20, had won some titles. But I said, I was like, look, I, I don't want to just have a good season or a decent, you know, year or whatever. I want to go for number one. I want to win more slams. I obviously just come off winning Wimbledon being in the final of Aussie Open, and I feel like I'm in the prime of my, let's say, doubles career now after singles. So uh, I sort of just needed to check his commitment that he was down for a, a huge year and a heavy schedule and that he had this sort of energy and, and commitment to do that. And, uh, you know, he, he answered everything, yes, I'm keen, I'm in, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm in. And uh, he has full-time physio and uh, he works incredibly hard. And um, I think we've we found a great balance. And, uh, you know, we worked hard on our partnership on our individual games and together, and uh, we've both improved, so it's it's working out. It worked out beautifully. Now, he's 43, as I mentioned. He received a congratulatory message from uh, a friend and also cricket legend Sachin Tendulkar last week, I believe, yeah. and the message yeah. said, age is just a number, but number one is not just another number. And uh, <laughs> as we know, that's uh, from Sachin Tendulkar. And I gather from your point of view, you received uh, received a lot of congratulatory messages as well from people far and yeah. wide, family and friends. Yeah. It must have been that's yeah. when you really realise uh, just how special this uh, performance was. Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, it's it's always fun when you know cool celebrities, other sportsmen, um, all sorts of people send you messages and congratulatory messages, and they follow you, and you become friends. And I think even in U.S. Open last year when we got to the U.S. Open final, I think Sachin sent us a message and said. Good luck, guys. I'm cheering you on. And so that was for me. It was like, oh wow, Sachin Tendulkar. Like, you know, I love it. I love cricket growing up, and and uh, sort of grasping what it means to even partner with an Indian, and for us to sort of share our fans and followings and stuff all around. You know, obviously India's got over a billion people, and obviously we've got a huge heritage here, but much smaller population. So 
But, uh, yeah, I've always had a big connection with India for 20 years since I started playing. I always just found the Indian guys so friendly, so warm, fun to play against and uh, even to play with and just to hang around with. I, I love their sort of can-do attitude and the way they sort of look at life. And uh, they've always just been very friendly guys. And, um, mm. yeah, just sort of formed a special bond now with with Rohan and uh, it's something we'll share together for the rest of our life. You've had to overcome injuries. You've had sort of extended periods uh, off the court. Uh, I know you've got a deep-seated passion for the sport. Did you feel that you'd ever achieve what you achieved on Saturday night again on the back end of Wimbledon, of course, winning the mixed doubles title back now 10 years ago? Yeah, it's been it's been an interesting career looking back. You know, obviously, you know, first singles, I mean, I think played about 17 years of singles and achieved nearly everything I set out to achieve. I made the top 40. Sure, I would have liked to make the top 10, but, you know, won matches in Davis Cup for Australia, won titles, played all the slams, played Federer, Nadal, beat a lot of top 10 players. Um, you know, a lot of really great things, which I was really grateful for. But then I also sort of thought later on I would have a little sub-career at the end where I could dedicate, you know, five or ten years to, to doubles. And uh, the way I played singles was a naturally good fit for doubles. I used to come to the net a lot, volley, you know, play all-court game. And I uh, loved doubles always and, and played Davis Cup doubles and always played doubles when I could with singles as well. So I'm just glad that these last two, three years, the sort of transition into this doubles for me has happened really quick. And yeah, I've got a whole bunch of, you know, or a few slams to show for it, world number one already, and, um, you know, hopefully a lot more these next, let's say, five years or something. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just really grateful that it's happened happened real quick. No, it's fantastic. Matt Ebden is our special guest here after winning, of course, the Australian Open uh, Men's Doubles Championship with uh, Rowan Bapana. Uh, interesting, I was reading something during the course of the last day or so that... You've called for a bit of a radical overhaul of tennis. You reckon that fans should be brought a bit closer to the court? They should turn up the vibes, the music, players <laughs> taking less breaks to keep matches moving. Uh, you reckon that's what tennis needs to maybe get the next generation of fan and player involved? I think a little bit yes, a little bit no. I, th- I think we need to keep the balance. But, yeah, so, so that comes from a, I'm on the ATP Player Council and I've kind of been acting president of the council since Wimbledon last year. So we're in all the executive meetings with all our board and um, our CEO, our managers and and all the staff. And, you know, it's sort of up to us, there's 10 of us to represent the other two, 300, you know, players and and members and uh, try and help and improve our tour in all all assets and and all, all, all facets, let's say. Um, and the, the specific comments were, were asked to me about the, a doubles review that we're taking at the moment this last six months. And I just came in thinking, you know, this is such an underutilized uh, asset. And, you know, doubles has been neglected in a lot of ways. And it's always a sideshow, and that's fine. It, it has its place. And it, it's never going to be singles. It's not meant to be. But I was just sort of keen to figure out where the doubles value exists, why it exists. And, uh, you know, let's market it. Let's make it for all it's worth. And it, it has its uh, perks against singles in some ways where, you know, you, because it's less physical and long points, there's more, I think, space to experiment a little bit with more fan engagement, a bit of music, a bit more fan-friendly, more like an NBA-type atmosphere where you could have a doubles court at events. Um, I, I think it would just bring people into the doubles a bit more. And I think doubles has that scope to be able to try and test that and you know, a bit more go for that entertainment factor, 
whereas singles, obviously, it's got the epic long, you know, long matches, long points, grueling, epic mentally, you know. So it, it's different. So it doesn't have a lot of things singles has, obviously, but it has some things and some advantages to be able to, I think, become a little bit even more fan-friendly and, and uh, entertainment-focused. There's another generation, as you mentioned, of players coming through when you talk about singles and we talk about Yannick Sinner's performance uh, in that five-set win over Daniel Medvedev last night, which was yeah. something special. And at just yeah. 14 years of age, he was given permission uh, by his parents to leave his home in Italy so he could pursue yeah. a tennis career. What about yourself, Matt? Now you're a, a married man, a family man, uh, but as a young boy pursuing your dream, what sacrifices did you have to make and, and your parents? Yeah, similar. I mean, not not the same, but a little bit similar, different, but similar. So, I mean, yeah, like like you mentioned before, I was born in South Africa, but my parents brought us across to Australia when I was 13 years old. And uh, one of the reasons was, of course, opportunity in sport and education and all those things. And, uh, of course, Australia had such an incredible, rich history of tennis and, and something I was, you know, um, into as a young kid. And then, you know, obviously um, was able to join the, the tennis culture and framework here and, and work my way up and, and, and learn from all the great legends of Australian tennis. And that's helped me incredibly to be where I am today. I wouldn't be there without it. So things like that. And then, you know, after year eight in school, I nearly did the same as what Yannick did. I nearly quit school and went full-time tennis, homeschooling and, and travel. But, uh, you know, I went to a private boys' school, I went to Hale School here in, in Perth, and John Inverarity was our headmaster at the time. And he came up with a plan. and said, how about you skip year nine, go to year 10, and when you finish year 12, you'll still be only 16 years old, turning 17, and you'll have an extra gap year to sort of train and catch up and then get on the tour. And um, we thought that was sensible. You know, I obviously valued my education, really wanted to, you know, do well at school and get good marks so I could enter university or enter law, uh, things like that, if tennis didn't work out. So, yeah, we, we chose that route. But, um, yeah, I did have to skip a year of school, which was good in, in a lot of ways but also had to study over the holidays and, and all those things but yeah just just those little things you go through but you know I've been traveling to junior tournaments since I was six years old eight years old uh, in South Africa at the start but then obviously in Australia my whole teenage years and, and ever since the last you know 20 25 years so it's uh it's a lot but it's um it's fun and it's it's rewarding but the sacrifice is obviously you know huge but uh, I think anything great in, in whatever people do there's always sacrifice and there's also great partnerships and of course your wife and yourself are a great partnership uh after that success in melbourne uh the slams to come we've got roland garros in may we've got wimbledon just after that and of course the u.s open around uh, september matt ebden what is your plan of attack for 2024 Yes, and don't forget the Olympics is in there too. After Correct. Wimbledon, it's in Paris. So huge year for uh, for sport. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously the next slam is it's in a few months' time, Paris on the clay there. So yeah, obviously really want to win the French and, and U.S. Open as well. Try and get the whole get get you know get a win at all of them. And obviously Olympics and a medal, a gold medal would be the dream. But you know any medal contention is what we're after. And, uh, you know, but also in the meantime, we've got a lot of big tournaments. We've got Dubai coming up. We've got all our Masters series, uh, you know, all the ATP Masters that run through the year with the Grand Slam. So it's a, it's a packed schedule, but, uh, yeah, kind of really got to focus and find the balance between, you know, a bit of home time and, and uh, you know, let's say uh, so, well, some training and rest as well as all the tournaments and then 
also with that Iron Olympics, you know, representing Australia, it's one of my favorite things to do, probably my favorite thing to do. Um, you know, the feelings we get from when we play Davis Cup, United Cup, representing Australia is second to none, and the Olympics will be no different. So, you know, those are, those are the big things on the radar this year. Well, fantastic. It, we're so proud of you, what you've achieved. Uh, it's been a, an exceptional career. You've only got another seven years to match Rowan Bapana. So you'll be 43, and he'll be 50, and I reckon you'll be still playing doubles together. Uh, maybe, uh, but I think uh, I've said to some guys, I think, I, I think my wife will stop me playing before my body does. <laughs> Good on you, Matt. Congratulations, mate, and uh, we're very proud of what you've achieved and, uh, and savour the victory. It's a special moment for you. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it was awesome just to come back on the plane to Perth with all our Western Australians, come back through the airport, and, and uh, a lot of people were congratulating and getting behind it, so it was awesome, and I've got the trophy with me, so I brought it back to Perth, and it's here, and yeah, to have a Western Australian champion, I think it's great. I think Perth is the best place in the world. I've been almost everywhere on the planet, but there's nowhere like here. So yeah, no. anyway, thanks for the support. Congratulations, mate. We're very proud. Well done. Uh, Matt Ebden joining us on the program. All thanks to the all-electric Kia EV9. Uh, Kia's largest uh, electric seven-seat SUV. Kia are major partners of the Australian Open. Matt Ebden there, the Australian Open champion in the men's doubles, and we congratulate him. We're going to take a break. Uh, come and join us on the temperate te- uh, Temper at Bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736. For Tormart, the Complete Tool Centre and Kia, this is Sports Day WA. The all-electric Kia EV9, Kia's largest electric seven-seat SUV. Kia, major partner of the Australian Open. Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Great to have your company for the all-electric Kia EV9, Kia's largest electric seven-seat SUV. Kia are a major partner of the just recently completed Australian Open and Toolmark, the complete tool centre. Let's have a look at the weekend review. We've been looking at some of the events across the weekend. Uh, Look out for the sunrise. Enjoy local service. There's over 1,200 stores Australia-wide. Visit newsunrise.com.au. AU. Joining us for the first time this year here on Sports Day WA. Well, it will be the first time this year because this is the very first program for 2024. And a happy new year to you. Daniel Garb, thanks for joining us. And to you, Pete. Nice to talk, mate. Now, I know I've known you for a number of years. And when we worked mm-hmm. together many moons ago, uh, you came across uh, and showed your passion for the Liverpool Football Club. And as we know, there's <laughs> a lot of Liverpool supporters spread around Australia when the announcement came across the weekend that Jurgen Klopp, the highly successful manager of the Merseyside Club, said, I'm done and I'm leaving at the end of this current season in the Premier League, what was your immediate reaction? <laughs> Complete shock. I was actually on air with um, Channel 10 and Paramount Plus on a Saturday night doing the A-League game. And, uh, yeah, my phone was off, obviously, as I was on air, turned it on, and I thought, what's going on here? I got a couple messages from mates saying, Stop working. Call me now. We need to discuss this. So I knew something was pretty pretty serious was up. Um, a huge surprise. I mean, I, I thought that, you know, would be a couple seasons left at Liverpool for Jurgen Klopp and then he would bid farewell and, and go on some sort of sabbatical. I did not expect it to come at the end of this season, nor did anyone, I think, who 
there's any sort of interest in the Premier League or Liverpool and for him to announce it now at the halfway point was also different. That aspect of it, I think, is a bit of a silver lining for Liverpool fans. He's announced it now. The Reds are top of the table. And the hope is it will provide some sort of inspiration for Liverpool to win title number 20 and their second of the Premier League era. And it also gives the club time to prepare for a replacement and for everyone at the football club to get their head around it. Life without Jurgen Klopp. There's time for the work to be done away from the field and in the minds of the fans and the players to to get around that because it's such an enormous departure, of course. Mm. That being said, you cannot replace a manager of that quality. And it's going to be an enormous challenge for the Reds to to go on with life without him because as we've seen in the past, when a a world-class manager leaves a team at their peak, which Liverpool are at right now, top, top of the Premier League, uh, that's the most difficult situation to uh, for a new manager to come into. So it's going to be a big change. It's going to be a huge challenge. But I'll tell you what, if he leaves with the title, Pete, I think Liverpool fans will be uh, pretty happy with that. You've been around for a number of years. You've followed the history of the Liverpool Football Club. He took over from Brendan Rodgers uh, in October of 2015. And we know that he's brought success uh, and trophies to the Liverpool Cabinet there's been Kenny Dalglish, there's been Roy Hodgson's, there's been Rafa Benitez, Gerard Houllier. I remember Roy Evans interviewing him many years ago yeah. at their training ground there in Liverpool. There's been Sooners. But, of course, everybody talks about the uh, Bill Shankly era. How would mm. you look at, uh, if he does take off the Premier League title this season, where would he rank, do you think? I think the best way to phrase it is he would be, I think, the second most influential manager in Liverpool history after Bill Shankly. Because both of them, I think, allowed for cultural change at the football club. Shankly took the team from a club that was performing way below expectations and turned it into a behemoth. And Jurgen Klopp did the same. There are other managers that were hugely successful. Joe Fagan continued what Shankly had done and won big trophies. Kenny Dalglish continued what others had done and won trophies. But there are very few who take a club that was really in a perilous situation and lift it to the status that it's in right now. And, yeah, there have been successful periods in the Premier League era before Jurgen Klopp came. Rafa Benitez was the uh, certainly the most successful Liverpool manager in the Premier League era. But no one got that title. No one lifted the ultimate trophy. That is the, uh, the old first division, now the Premier League. Trophy And Klopp did that along with winning a, a European Cup. And he kept Liverpool at the top table of English football for a long period. He's been there for nine seasons now. They've been contending for the majority of those campaigns. And he also had that special connection where and they call him the German Scouser. He had that relationship with the fans and with the city. Uh, he was transformative in that sense. And so I think after Shankly, he's the most influential Liverpool manager that's ever been. Before we leave uh, the big announcement across the weekend regarding Jurgen Klopp, people are now asking, where does he go to next? He says he hasn't got the energy to continue at Liverpool because it's such a big job. And all of a sudden, there is talk uh, whether they can buy him, and we're talking about Newcastle with the Saudi Arabian money. Is there a chance, do you think, he could remain in the Premier League? Well, he said that he won't manage another English club. He said, even if it means I don't eat, I will not manage another English club. We've heard many people in sport say things and do another over time. I can't see it changing in the near future. I can't see him managing for another 
12 to 18 months after he leaves Liverpool. He said he wants to have a normal life. He's never had a normal life, but he needs to scratch that itch, if you like, because being a manager of a massive football club like the Reds is 100% consuming. And he needs for his family, he said, to just have a break and step away. Pep Guardiola did this not long ago, you might remember. He was backpacking around America at one stage when he felt like he needed a sabbatical. So I think Klopp will go through that. I think he'll manage again at some stage, but... Yeah, you'd like to think he'll stay to his word and stay true to it and won't manage in England again unless it's with Liverpool for another stint. It seems like the German national team might be a job for him in the future. Who knows? But uh, he certainly needs a break. He'll be back in the game, though, at some stage. He's still too young. He's still got too much to offer. And uh, I'm sure the appetite will return once he uh, steps away for a little bit. Daniel, let's look at the Socceroos currently in Qatar uh, undertaking the Asian Cup. Uh, A comfortable 4-0 victory over Indonesia last night. We expected that. But stronger opposition just around the corner now as they head to the quarterfinals, Saudi Arabia or South Korea. It's going to be a huge step up. It's one that may suit the Socceroos. So we saw how well they played at the World Cup against obviously more challenging opposition. We've seen in the last few months how well they've played against the likes of Argentina in that friendly in China and against England, in England, where they took the game to them. Sometimes it suits Australia more to have a team come at them a little bit with, with a bit more open space. The sides that sit back with the low block and, and are very defensive, which the teams that have played the Socceroos in Asia are, um, the teams they've played so far, Australia doesn't necessarily have the creativity in the final third to open them up. And it becomes a little bit taxing and the confidence drops and the tension rises. They've been able to get the job done in these games. They've been very good defensively as well, but they haven't quite had that fluidity. Maybe against a team like South Korea or Saudi Arabia, if they can maintain their defensive acumen, which has been very good in the tournament so far, they might be able to open them up a little bit more the other way with more space afforded to them. That's the hope. That being said, they're going to have to live their, lift their performance overall because they've got the results so far. I think confidence is rising incrementally, but they haven't quite strung together the kind of football that leads you to think they could beat a South Korea. Maybe a Saudi Arabia, if they're not quite on their game, they're a bit more inconsistent. But the Koreans at their best look like they're a level above Australia right now. That being said, they've had some issues in the tournament as well. It feels very open, Pete, the whole Asian Cup Mm. right now. And so you wouldn't write Australia off, but it's going to be a much sterner test, as you say. And yeah, the tactical framework of the game is going to be fascinating as well. And just maybe it will suit Australia. And just before we let you go, let's look at the A-League. Friday night, uh, Melbourne City come to HBF Stadium here in Perth to take on the Perth Glory, who scored a late one uh, to take the points and share the points, I should say, against MacArthur FC. We're at the halfway stage of the A-League, 27 rounds. Some of the clubs have played 14, some 13. In the case of MacArthur, they've played 15. But it's roughly the halfway stage. How do you see it? Very even. I mean, the Melbourne victory were flying and they've now had three draws in a row and a couple of those games they had a one-man advantage. They're clearly missing Bruno Fornaroli. Uh, but they've shown they're not, despite being undefeated, and um, they're hardly without some issues, most notably in attack. Uh, the Wellington Phoenix are going about their business beautifully. That's the story of the season. Giancarlo Italiano in his first season in the job, someone who a lot in Australian football and New Zealand football hadn't heard too much of, doesn't have a big playing background, become a coach the hard way. 
has got the Phoenix up near the top. The Mariners have been fantastic as well, the reigning champions, considering the departure of their coach, Nick Montgomery, Jason Cummings, and some other key players. They are right up there as well in a wonderful unbeaten streak, and they're winning lots of games. So they're a contender. I think the Wanderers in Melbourne City are, are still strong as well. And Sydney FC are starting to look really good. So there's a number of sides that can challenge for it. Uh, I've been really impressed with the glory, though, Pete. I must say, what Alan Stachich is doing, and Adam Taggart as well as a captain and a leader, considering all that's going on off the field, the handbrake that is basically being pulled on the club at the moment without owners. You've got to be impressed by what they've done. They beat Western Sydney away. They get the late point against MacArthur. They are fighting. And I think Glory fans are really impressed with their team. They should get out there and support them because the players deserve that, considering the way in which they are going about their business uh, with a lot of issues to deal with. It's, it's been great to watch. And, uh, yeah, it'd be nice if they caused another upset against Melbourne City on the weekend. Yeah, looking forward to it. 6.45 on Friday night. Get out there. Should be a, a great match. It's been a great chat, uh, Garby. Thanks for your time. And we'll keep in touch here on SEN's Sports Day. Thanks, Pete. Good man, uh, Daniel Garb. Uh, and we'll have him during the course of the season. Knows his football. As I said, I worked with him some years ago. Uh, he knows the round ball game very well. Uh, likes his basketball too, as we all do. And you can join the Red Army this NBL season by becoming a Perth Wildcats member. Today, don't forget, Sunday, the club is retiring Damien Martin's number 53 jersey. That'll be a special occasion. We'll take a break, recap all the big stories of the day on the other side of the break here on Sports Day WA. The all-electric Kia EV9, Kia's largest electric seven-seat SUV. Kia, major partner of the Australian Open. Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Don't change me and here's just a quick community update thanks to Fire Code. Be alert and prepared this bushfire season. Stay up to date on all bushfire warnings online with the Department of Fire and Emergency Services. Visit uh, dfes.wa.gov.au and this community update thanks to new Fire Code, the first paint proven to protect property in high risk fire conditions and it's available at Bunnings Warehouse. Now, for Nutrien AG Solutions or Nutrien Ag Solutions, going further for Australian farmers, just recapping some of the uh, the big stories uh, over the last day or so. The West Indies, uh, as we know, recorded a monumental victory at the Gabba yesterday on the back end of Shamar Joseph, and he's quickly becoming the West Indies' most important piece and was clearly the most damaging player in the series, uh, Australian women's career coach Shelley Nitschke says she and her all-conquering team are well aware the gap has always been closing and Sunday's historic T20 loss to South Africa was more proof. Every single match demands their absolute best. Their next match, the series' deciding final match, is in Hobart on Tuesday night. Uh, the Socceroos uh, await either Saudi Arabia or South Korea, as we heard with Daniel Garb after the Socceroos' 4-0 win over Indonesia overnight. So there you go, just some of the stories happening at the moment. Thanks for joining us. Uh, show number one for 2024, done and dusted. I'll be back again tomorrow between five and six, straight after the run home with Hayes and Marto. Thanks to Jimmy, my executive producer, and Brian, a very capable panel operator. Tomorrow morning, Scotty and Gossick back uh, doing uh, SENWA breakfast from six o'clock. The run home from three and Sports Day WA, thanks to Toolmart and also Kia from 5 o'clock. Have a great Monday night, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow.